Welcome to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast with your host, award-winning realtor, Matt Glenn, and top producing mortgage broker, Taylor Atkinson. Professionals in the industry, enthusiastic entrepreneurs, and successful investors. When it comes to real estate, we're all in. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Going well, dude. Yeah? Going very good. Yeah, things have been, the market's firing back to life for sure. I mean, my phone is honestly not stopped ringing over the last few weeks. Yeah, I keep prank calling you. So maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah. God yeah. damn it. I thought it was going way better than that. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. With the uh, Silicon Valley Bank closing its doors, we've seen a, a big hit on the Canadian bond market, which in yeah. turn controls the fixed yeah. rates. It was interesting watching that. Like, I, at first, I was obviously quite, quite scared, like 2008 reminiscent. Mm-hmm. But then you just realized... Well, they need to kind of let it sit for a bit and realize this might not be the worst thing for us. Like, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I hate to take it and turn it into a positive for us. Like, obviously, there's a lot of people that are out of money there. But essentially, it was a bank that was relying on the tech industry and startups and angel investors, highly leveraged companies. A lot of those companies have a a large bankroll and weren't making a lot of money. So there's a lot of withdrawals. Yeah. In turn, it, it kind of puts a positive spin for us in the Canadian market. In the short term, right? Like, is it, what do you think about long term? I think it just continues on that trajectory. Like fixed rates have been steadily declining for the yeah. last six or seven months. Yeah. Variable will probably follow suit. You know, it generally lags by like nine months. It's going to continue that downward trend on the fixed rates, which increases people's purchasing power, increases confidence in the market, and people get out there and start shopping you know, combined with the spring market just being busier. Yeah. So, um, yeah, pretty interesting, though. It's uh, We'll see what happens over the next couple months. Any other financial institutes have any issues? But you think, so what are your thoughts on contagion? You think it'll be spreading? I, I think it's just a one-off. Yeah. It, it well, was, there were two. Well, one was a crypto bank. Yeah. So it's a yeah. two-off. Yeah. But it, it is like, a, like their banking system isn't aligned with ours. It, yeah. yeah, obviously, all banks are leveraged on the amount of money that they actually have yeah. Yeah. compared to what's on the book. I don't know. I don't think it'll be a domino effect, but... Yeah, I guess it's hard to say, but it seems like it's pretty contained right now. Mm-hmm. And then I know, like, the Fed was going to raise their interest rates again, eh? Like, we paused I, ours and then they were... I think they're still going to continue to raise, yeah. You think so? I've heard that they're going to either stay the same or go down. All right, well, we'll bet on it, I yeah, guess. Yeah, we'll um, It's a binding... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, we're still waiting, Matt. You need to follow through on your yeah. skateboard promise. Um, yeah. All these days now. Well over 10 downloads now. So yeah. bring the skateboard out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Today's guest was was awesome. Like I, I kind of briefly knew him from, you know, being at Century 21, working with a couple of you guys and yeah. coming to some charity events and stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, Max is is on another level. Yeah. Max Carbone, the owner of, uh, well, one of the owners of Century 21 Assurance Realty here in Kelowna. Uh, I know him quite well obviously i work uh, at his brokerage but wow i was taking notes the whole time like that was kind of amazing listening to him talk there yeah and you know what just such good values like just do the right thing with the right people yeah have fun in life i'm a little scared to ever go golfing with him like he sounds like an amazing like i've I've golfed with him quite a few times and it is like up the pipe every shot it's nice like he's usually finishes in the mid 70s like low 70s and i'm that's incredible yeah. So like he is like 15, 20 better than me. Yeah. Consistently. I, yeah. I mean, it seems like he's done amazing things on the golf course in this brokerage office in, yeah. you know, life in general. He's done a lot of stuff. He's written a book. Yeah. Well, very knowledge. My very God. well accomplished guy. Yeah. So um, well, like, it's very like conversation today had like a lot of actionable things you could do steps and uh, yeah. 
like I can't say enough of how much he's helped me personally in my career, and I know other agents in this office, and even ones that have used to be in this office. And yeah, Emily, why. Emily speaks super highly of the team here, and yeah. I think yeah, the message is if you're a new realtor struggling or looking for a brokerage to join, then then reach out to Max, and he's happy yeah. to have a conversation. Or even you. if you're um, before that thinking about real estate, maybe reach out to Max and meet with him and see if it's the right fit for you. Like he. Like he does his uh, disc profiles. Like he knows what he's talking about when he yeah. has to uh, kind of plotting out a plan and stuff like that. And that's what I did. And he's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we'll we'll cut to it then. It's a good show. Enjoy. Welcome, Max. Glad to have you on the show. Like, obviously, this is a pretty new show for us, and happy to have a veteran like you on. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks, yeah. guys. A pleasure to be a part of the team and uh, contribute to your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Max is the owner of the Century Twenty One that I'm a uh, agent at, and I love every second of being here. And uh, yeah, look up to you. You're a good, uh, good mentor for me. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Matt told me he signed you up for the podcast. I didn't really believe him, but here we are excited to do it. So we'll, we'll go into it. More than just a pretty face and a nice voice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've got a pretty face. Yeah. 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 Thank you. (laughs) This is why I look up to you. (laughs) Okay, Max. um, What's your favorite season in Kelowna? I love this summer, partly because, you know, you can do a bit of everything. You know, you get to go play golf, uh, go boating, hiking, biking, uh, motorcycling, uh, and uh, just enjoy the sunshine. And, and you get long days, too, right? So you yeah. get extra yeah. extra coverage, yeah. right? Thanks, daylight savings yeah. time. But yeah. uh, spring's pretty cool, too, because, you know, you get to go skiing in the morning and golfing in the afternoon. So that's tough to beat in yeah. any time. Where did you come from originally? Because you weren't from Kelowna, right? Yeah, we were originally in Toronto. I grew up, I was born in the Sault Ste. Marie, but um, originally spent most of my time in life in Toronto. So I uh, worked in commercial real estate, did my MBA in, in at the Schulich School of Business at York University, worked in commercial real estate in the 80s and 90s in the GTA, uh, did a lot of um, investment, commercial, industrial transactions. One of the top performers there at the firm that I was with for many years. In the mid-90s, I set up a strategic planning practice called Teamworks. I focused on doing strategic planning uh, sessions with uh, a wide variety of organizations, not only in the real estate world, but all sorts of other organizations. I did work for Nike, Molson's, Coke, Adidas, uh, uh, Royal LePage, uh, was significantly involved in the turnaround of Royal LePage in the mid-90s. I did work for the past and current CEO for you know 20 plus years, but also did um, a lot of work with some of Canada's most successful entrepreneurs. I had a really interesting yeah. experience uh, Six or seven of my clients were some of the top performing entrepreneurs, and I, for many years, helped them do their strategic planning, their market research, some of their organizational development work, and kind of was like their wingman to yeah. the CEO. It was a lot of fun, really insightful, you know, uh, helped turn around the Air Canada Pilots Association uh, as well. Wow. So I worked with you. Is there anything nonprofit. you didn't do? Yeah, yeah a lot of dumb stuff too. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it was a lot of fun, really insightful, because, you know, the, the way they teach you in business school, the best way to learn about, you know, leadership and and businesses to do case studies. And, you know, at Harvard Business School and yeah. Western Business School and Schulich here in Canada, which are the two leaders, um, that's the primary methodology by which they teach business learning. Um, I had the you know fortunate chance of actually being in the meeting room with the leaders while they're sitting down and discussing what their strategy is, what their challenges are, uh, what their game plan needs to be, and in real time. And I'm kind of moderating, facilitating, running these brainstorming planning sessions and it's great opportunity. You know, several of my clients were um, guys who were the head of, you know, YPO Canada, uh, head of, you know, some Canada's leading insurance firms and commercial insurance brokerages and 
manufacturing firms and high-tech firms and low-tech firms and not-for-profits and charities. So yeah. I just had a chance to live with it in a whole bunch of different organizations and enterprises. So that's a real opportunity. Yeah. yeah. How, do you, how do you break into something like that? You just like network your way through that? Like, how do you do that? Yeah. I started off doing work with a couple of different clients and they were member of, uh, members of YPO, Young Presidents Organization, that yeah. um, is probably one of the largest CEO peer-to-peer networking groups. Yeah. And they just had a good experience with it that helped them um, really in kind of their high range, uh, you know, visioning, planning, goal setting. And it was a team process, which was very powerful. It was the first, uh, you know, computer assisted process in the in the country. And I still do it occasionally with some clients and organizations to help them out. And what it does, and Matt, you've kind of experienced it on a one-on-one basis. Yeah, yes. Um, it's a really, you know, powerful way to get a group of people to come up with a collaborative common vision, yeah. uh, have a common input, the leader's always in charge in any organization, but uh, the more that he or she can get the team supporting that vision and working on it collaboratively, yeah. the more likely they are to have a, a shared outcome and results. It just kind of grew exponentially through uh, word of mouth. Uh, obviously, I did some sales and some promotion of it, but yeah. mostly it was word of mouth referrals. I would encourage uh, my clients if I would always say, you know, if you like what I did for you and your team, then tell three or four of your friends. And sometimes I can put it in the contract for fun, right? And they were, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's <laughs> a good do, idea. I'm yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah, I love to do that. Yeah, 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 I'm ready. I suggest that for our, you know, realtors. Yeah. Brokers, yeah, right? yeah, it's good. Jeez, I'm just trying to get a Google review on it. I know. That's I love that. I wrote it right in the contract. Yeah. That is. I give a little bit of a price. Break and yeah. I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. save, you save a couple of thousand dollars, but you know, you yeah. have to tell three of your buddies. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> Becca, fix my contract and write that in the contract. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. And, and then the yeah. other thing that I did, this is this is kind of fun, but I was a pretty avid golfer. You know, yeah, low single digit handicap player. You must have met people like that. Well, I actually employed a strategy where my target market was good guy CEOs who like to golf. And I would go to charity golf tournaments. I actually wrote a book on golf and business strategy. I have testimonials from Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer on it. Wow. Whoa. And I would go to charity golf tournaments. I would sponsor a hole at the tournament, donate a fair amount of money yeah. to the tournament. Yeah. And then I would have a bet with the usually CEOs and VPs who would be at these kind of high-priced golf tournaments. Yeah. And I would bet them. I said, if I would get closer to the hole than the whole team... They contribute, you know, $100 to the charity. And if they collectively beat me, any one of them, then, you know, I donate 100 bucks to the charity. So you know, it was great. I was out there working on my golf swing under pressure and, yeah. um, uh, you know, having some fun, you know, having the odd uh, beverage and, uh, of course, raising money for charity. And inevitably, one or two or three weeks later, one of the... And the people were coming to me too, right? I didn't have to go network or prospect. Yeah. Right? They, they were coming to me, you know, and like, and uh, inevitably a week or two or three later, I get a call from someone say, hey, man, Max, I met you at the uh, golf event. It was a lot of fun. And I thought that uh, I'd give you a shout. Come on in. I want you to help me with do my strategic planning and my real estate work. That wow. is, that's awesome. That is, yeah. Yeah. I should have brought some more note paper. Yeah, I know. That is. Well, uh, and I mean, I played in the, so did you, right? In the golf tournament. This summer at uh, Black Mountain, was it? Yeah. For Century 21? Yeah. yeah. But you weren't playing. You were just organizing? No. Yeah. I you got played a bit. You played with us? No, no. Oh, you no. did? Yeah, yeah. I got to get you on my team because right. our team, we, we were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I know. When I go golfing with Max, he has at least 20 strokes ahead of me. Yeah. At least. So, like, you're a good golfer. You were a caddy also as a kid, weren't you? Yeah, I was a kid. I used to caddy at St. George's, which is where they regularly oh, wow. held a Canadian Open. It was just, you know, not too far from us. And as kids, we would go out there and caddy. And uh, yeah. actually, once... Uh, uh, shagged balls for Mo Norman, who was the great Canadian. He was actually an autistic uh, man who um, 
acknowledges the country's or the world's greatest ball striker. His nickname was Pipeline Mo. Oh, yeah. And I would stand out in the driving range at about 250 yards and catch <laughs> balls with a baseball glove. Really? <laughs> and you'd take two steps and you'd catch the ball and stuff. And he was he was like kind of, kind of a savant um, when it came to golf. He was insecure around adults. Yeah, and stuff, yeah. But he was good with kids. And, you know, when I was probably 14, 15 at the time. And, you know, he loved being in and around kids. And he was a really kind of friendly, easygoing personality and he had to develop this slightly different golf swing based on his own kind of approach. Did you ever miss one of those balls and just yeah, oh, take yeah. it on the forehead? I, take it on the I didn't take any of them. I'm with my eyesight. I'd have a terrible time out there. He was so accurate. Literally, it was two steps, three steps. It was unbelievable. That was wow. like a machine. That is amazing. Yeah. 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 The, the wind shifted it more, I think, than his shot did. <laughs> I'm just trying to think if I paid a kid to stand out in the driving range with a baseball glove. Yeah. And I'm that kid would be melting calories by running 100 yards back and forth. Just. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot of fun, actually. A group of us would do it. You know, that's when we were kids. Yeah. One of the things we did, we all kind of worked at the golf course. And yeah. it was kind of a fun way to, you know. How did you, how did you get into golf, Max? Did you, like, was your parents golfing? Or no, like... my parents didn't go. My dad picked up golf later on. He yeah. always used to razz me. He was never a very good golfer, but he had two holes in one. Whoa, wow. During his lifetime. His first one was at Glen Abbey, too. And I'd, I've never had one. So he would always, like, rather say, oh, yeah, yeah, good yeah. Golfer, but you've never had a hole in one yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, a, it's just a group of us that, yeah. uh, you know, we, we started caddying and making money. We said, oh, let's learn how to play this game because the guys that were there were pretty successful, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, business people primarily. And, uh, and, like, and so that's how we started to pick the game up. So what was the reason then you moved out to Kelowna? Was it work or golf or? No, it was life. Well, my wife and I, you know, we had a very successful career. My wife, Anna, was a very successful uh, person in media sales, uh, working for companies like uh, Chum City Television. Um, she oh, yeah. represented, you know, um, Much Music MTV and uh, various of the space television Cool, stations. I did not know that. Yeah, and she migrated into working for Bell Media and CTV, was one of the top salespeople and managers there, of uh, sales teams. We decided our, once our kids had finished university that we wanted a different experience and we scouted out what the best place in the country would be to live. We actually traveled across Canada. One of our daughters used to work for WestJet, so we traveled for next to nothing. Nice. And we nice. literally went from Victoria to um, Halifax to figure out where the best place in the country is. And given our criteria, we felt it was, you know, the central Okanagan, the Kelowna area. Uh, we decided that uh, we would uh, start to make a move here. Uh, we could have retired. You know, we've got more than enough financial resources, but we thought we'd, you know, step into a business where we could, you know, both do well, but also, you know, help others succeed. And when this one yeah. came up, you know, it's been a great opportunity for us because, you know, one of the reasons we do it is because we like to help, you know, new and experienced people have successful careers, yeah. uh, kind of improve their lot in life, if that's the right term. Yeah. Our brokerage is structured around doing that. Yeah, very know, much so. That's what I love mm -hmm. about this. It's, it's all like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. we really are focused on yeah. taking as much away as we can from the realtors. And and it works to, to be more profitable for the realtors. And it's actually more profitable for our business, our model. Yeah. So it's a true win-win. And, uh, you know, we do well when our realtors and staff do well. So it's a kind of a, a really positive thing. Two of our daughters moved, we have three daughters, two of our daughters moved to Calgary and one of them is here. She's a realtor with us uh, yep. now. Kind of the whole family made kind of the Western shift and uh, everyone seems to be enjoying it. So Very cool. Did you guys, did you make trips to Kelowna before? Like, did you, you knew of the other area or did you just find it on your, one of your cross-country trips? I actually kind of planned to come here about seven or eight years before we came here and yep. then I said, well, let's wait till the kids 
And then the kids, two of the kids came out and then I was kind of more aware of maybe following the kids then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but nevertheless, you know, we did scout it out. We took several trips here. We kind of fell in love with the environment and thought this is the place to be. Looked for business for quite some time. And then eventually uh, uh, my real estate background and uh, Hannah's and my management kind of experience, we thought this would be a good fit. And so far, it's worked out great. Yeah, no kidding. So you you weren't looking for a brokerage like a real estate. You were just looking for a business. We were looking for a business in general. When this one came up, and we looked at all sorts of different businesses, yeah. you know, some manufacturing yeah. businesses, some service businesses, et cetera. And when this one came up, we just thought, you know, it kind of fit the bill. It's there. It kind of helps people do well. Uh, we knew Kelowna from a real estate perspective would yeah. do well over the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. There's so few places like this. Yeah. In Canada, in the world. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the Lake Como, yeah. you know, area of, uh, you know, Italy, Switzerland, you know, the Lake yeah. Country and yeah. know, the Southern Alps. Very much. Yeah. Spectacular area and uh, world-class scenery and activities and growth potential, both in tourism and agriculture and now high tech. And it's becoming really the hub for the interiors. Yeah. You know what's interesting about Kelowna is it's such a young city. You think about Kelowna before the Coquihalla was here from Vancouver, and then especially the connector. Like we were basically an island in the middle of nowhere that you couldn't get to until like not that long ago. Like how old is the connector? Like 30, 40 years? Before that, we're basically not a city. So like, we were at such much in the infancy of the city. There's just way more room to grow. And it's really an entrepreneurial community too. You Very know, much, yeah. A lot of different people doing different things, you know, independent business people, yeah. you know, people working hard, you know, uh, uh, got dreams and aspirations to do different things. And, you know, it's part of an entrepreneurial lifestyle, you know, you yeah. have your ups and downs. I actually did my MBA in entrepreneurial studies. It was the first entrepreneurial studies program in North America. Oh, wow. And wow. Uh, the like. And so what you do really do have here, and that's one of the reasons we were attracted here is that kind of entrepreneurial growth culture mentality and it's a really kind of a positive feel and vibe overall. Yeah, I think COVID also, like I've been saying this relentlessly, but like COVID has put this into overdrive because people work more and more behind the laptops, especially all the entrepreneurs. And then you have a place like Kelowna where it's four season, beautiful place to live, like very desirable place. People, especially entrepreneurs, are just going to live, come here in droves. Yeah, we've spoken about this before too. Like it reminds me of when we were in Shanghai, it was very entrepreneurial and Kelowna is the same. Like you joke that nobody works here, but everyone just has such a great work-life balance that you can do work on the golf course like yourself or there's a lot of ambition. Like me, I'm also working on the golf course back up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But there are, there's a, there's endless opportunities here right now. So yeah, if you have the right mindset, you can take advantage of those. And Good if point. you're behind there coaching, then yeah, that's amazing. All right, let's move on to our next question. Uh, what is your drink of choice, Max? Coffee, cocktail, wine, beer? Well, I, I probably drink more water than anything else, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> hey, Max, me too. <laughs> probably have to, but I don't have, it's interesting. I like wine, but I don't really have the kind of the, the wine tasting gene. My wife, Anna, is pretty good at it. Yeah. You know, so I, I kind of go for like a pretty hearty red because it's something that I can, you know, yeah. I, I have a good sense for. So yeah. I'm not a big connoisseur. I like to go to the wine tasting and stuff, you know, yeah. more for the social aspect and the fun part <laughs> of it. But, you know, I would be fooling anyone if I said I could differentiate between, you know, even a Merlot and a, <laughs> and a like cab. Cab, yeah. I know the names and kind of where they go yeah. in the hierarchy, but yeah. you know, in terms of being able to really be a differentiator, <laughs> yeah, I, I just play the game a little bit. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I, I'm definitely not, you know, the... Uh, Somalia. Uh, Somalia. Yeah. yeah, definitely no Somalia yeah. material. <laughs> I'm not either. Well, I mean, I'm more impressed with your golf handicap. If you're in the <laughs> if you're in the single digits, like who cares about the wine? Jeez. 
Okay, if you had 12 hours left in Kelowna, what, what would you do for fun? I do if it was the right time of year. I'd go up to Big White, you know, yeah. ski for a few hours in the morning. I love yeah. to ski, pretty avid skier, skied a lot when I was yeah. younger and uh, still do on a regular basis. Come down, you know, grab nine holes of golf uh, with a couple of buddies and uh, have a few laughs. Uh, hop on my motorcycle uh, afterwards with Anna, go for a little tour in East Kelowna and you know, invite a couple of good friends over and maybe family or daughters over for uh, dinner and some wine and uh, drinks uh, watching the sunset uh, from our place. You know, yeah, yeah. Kind of Nirvana then shut it down and cry. <laughs> I'm going to leave now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that time of year is coming up. We're only a few weeks away from that. Yeah, that's yeah, a ton of fun. I like it. Yeah. Uh, once a year, I kind of yeah. uh, do the skiing. Yeah, it's like a ski to sea race for you, but just through the golf course. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. 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 yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, your place too is awesome to watch the sunset from. Like, that's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. we get about a month of that where we can go, you know, usually, yeah. I mean, this March is a little cool, but usually, you know, middle of March, you're golfing and skiing goes to you know, middle of April and uh, you've yeah. got a good month of that. So yeah. kind of, I like to call my friends back in Toronto and, and bug them. Saying, <laughs> what well, are you doing today? What are you exactly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever, do you miss Toronto at all? Do you go back very often? I don't really miss Toronto. It's very busy, very crowded. I miss obviously some friends and some family that are there. You know, we had a lot of, you know, good friends and, and some family members. And one of my sisters moved out here and because so after we've been here and they were loving it here, I don't miss the traffic, the congestion, you know, we do go back for, you know, weddings and funerals, you know, once or twice a year because, you know, someone's getting married. Like, but yeah. I don't miss the city and the and the like. I really enjoy the environment here, you know, and love the um, the vibe here. It's a very different, you know, not the big city yeah. corporate environment. Yeah. You know, I don't think I've worn a suit you know, <laughs> once a year here in Toronto is like you every, know, day. every day. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good answer there. All right. If you could purchase a property in the Okanagan in the next year, what would it be? Like an investment or a recreational property? Well, probably an investment property. I yeah. mean, I, there's no question. There's lots of opportunity to acquire, you know, yeah. develop, build or hold for appreciation. Maybe do some, you know, property improvement activities and the like. You know, we already have a nice recreational property that we live on. So, you know, for us, that that works. We're doing some in landscaping and stuff now. But really, I think the opportunity for us would be investment. And we've got a couple of deals that are we're working on that are closing and selling and then once they know we've done some work on them and once they do that we'll be back in the market to nice. buy again yeah yeah to, to kind of piggyback on that since you probably see a lot of transactions and have your finger on the pulse if someone was going to buy their first say investment rental property like someone was able to pull out some equity what would you advise them where are there certain areas or properties that you like right now for that kind of first-time investor well i think for that first-time investor it's usually best to leverage your equity in a place where you've got, you know, your own home and you've got someone living with you, you know, mortgage helper type situation. That's one opportunity yeah. for someone that's a little more passive. For someone who's a little more aggressive, you know, you could find a property that has a, a potential to develop another unit on the property, right? So the zoning allows a carriage house or something so that, yeah. you know, you could build that if you kind of, especially if you've got some construction experience, you know, yeah. build, a, build a, uh, another unit on the property. Going into like a multi-unit, it's a much bigger step up. There's a big leap there. Yeah. Um, but I think for first-time investors, you know, especially younger people with the uh, you know, if they've got a younger family and they've got the ability to make a few moves, you know, yep. buy a house, fix it up, have some tenants, you know, make it a legal suite if you can. Do that a couple of times, you know, kind of keep upgrading, you know, to yeah. the next level. Maybe, you know, there aren't many triplexes here, but, you know, you know, find a, a property with multiple units. 
and uh, have other people help pay down your mortgage. And then at some point, you know, you could make that leap and then you have your own house and then start to buy income properties or other properties where there's, you know, uh, development potential severances or rezoning or building, uh, you know, different activities. I think there's a, the big opportunity also in kind of, I'll call small scale commercial, you know, where there are- I was going to ask about that, yeah. Yeah, where yeah. there are, you know, kind of properties, uh, you don't have, you know, on residential stuff, it's great. You know, everyone's got to have a residence. The vacancy rate here is extremely low. It'll continue to be low. There's so little new land that's available. Yes, there's nowhere to sprawl. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 40% of the land in Kelowna is in the agricultural land reserve. It's not coming out. And as a result, uh, you know, a lot of the buildings going up, I would tend to think that more single family or townhome is the way to go rather than condos. Like individual condos, yeah. Individual condo units, because, you know, you can go up a fair amount and there's a lot of room for that. But I think from a pure investment perspective, I think you'll see a a greater gain in the residential housing, that single family or townhome or duplexes than condominium buildings or large strategy. Yeah. What do you, what do you, would you prefer, you think, like, do you think someone should take into account the proximity to downtown Kelowna or like a property with a view? Like, uh, there seems to be two mindsets that we deal with. Like in Kelowna seems to be different than big cities where a lot of the higher priced homes are a bit farther out, but they have amazing views because there's not that many. And then, or there's the development potential in the flatlands around downtown. Like, what do you think? It's a bit tough. I think people who come from other areas where they don't have a view really appreciate and pay a premium for that. Yeah. So I think, you know, typically you'll find that the the view homes are being purchased by people in their, you know, late 40s, 50s and 60s, you know, that have the financial resources or wherewithal to do that. And, you know, they come from flatland. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, seriously. Or a place where they didn't have a view, you know, yeah. whether in the lower mainland or, you yeah. know, I think 45% of the transactions in Kelowna are from people who are not from here. Wow. You know, about 25% are from uh, the mainland and the other 20% are from east of uh, Kelowna. So uh, historically more of that used to be from Alberta, but a lot more of it now is coming from the rest of the Prairie provinces and Ontario primarily. Um, Interesting, there's very little international purchase here other than, you know, Big White, but it's it's surprising. At some point, I think, you know, Kelowna is going to get discovered by Americans, Europeans, yes, you know, uh, Asians that say, wow, this is like a real, uh, one of my colleagues who used to be, used to work at uh, senior head office at Roller Page and then yeah. was the CEO of, or is the CEO of uh, Coal Banker Canada. You know, he said, and, and this resonated with me that when I told him I was looking at buying a brokerage here in the Okanagan, he said, yeah, that's the jewel of Canada. It's really true. It's, you know, we look at where we are, it's the, kind of the jewel of Canada. Big yeah. time. Also, like like I was saying before, this is a young, young city. You just the word just has not gotten out. You know, like I think there's a major opportunity here. You know, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, I think you're right about the international part as well. Like I've had some foreign client buyers. We talk about Kelowna, but they end up going to Vancouver or Toronto because they're more comfortable with it. They they can do more research online and they just feel it's a safer investment. But yeah, I think they're missing out on a, a huge appreciation factor here. So yeah, once it gets out to the international community, they'll they'll start to get on it. Well, you're starting to see it now. I mean, I think, you know, there are some real estate investment trusts that are, you know, not only in Vancouver and Toronto and the like that are looking at, you know, more larger kind of commercial type investments, right. and, you know, condominium developments and, and the like that, you know, now we're still a pretty, you know, small city. You know, yeah. Yes. 130, 130,000 yeah. is still pretty small in the yeah. grander scheme of things. You know, there is getting a lot more notice, you know, Kelowna gets a lot more press nationally and uh, really does get profile and, and it's, for lack of a term, being been discovered to a certain degree and more to come. 
Okay, one more question I have for you on this very quick round of questions, and then <laughs> yeah. we'll then we'll really dissect this. What was your first purchase for an investment property when you were younger? Well, it was our home. Our you know our major home was in, yeah. in Toronto, right? The price of homes in Toronto is a lot more. So yeah. you know we bought a home in an area, well, a, a good area in the Kingsway, which is one of the you know best areas, and we. Of course, bought it right at the peak in 19. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, well, that's listen, you know, you buy at the peak, obviously you're still doing yeah, well. That's what we try and communicate. Like it's, it's not still, about timing it. It still was a good investment, you yeah. know, and the like interestingly compared to other investments that we've made, like the residential housing investment yeah. has outperformed, you know, most of our other investments, whether it's in the stock market. I've invested in several kind of early stage startups, some of which were successful, some of which weren't. Still, like year over year, you know, we all live in a place and, you know, most of our money's come from real estate, not from other stuff. No, so, exactly. And like, then you add on leverage, it goes on like a, I think that's a yeah, smart money. It continually, it continually goes on. And so, you know, our advice recommendations to our kids is, you know, acquire real estate, live in, you've got to live in it. When you start out, have some tenants, you know, yeah. it's a little rougher at first. So Anna, my wife did that before I did. She had a property before I did. I was still in school and university and stuff. And she... Oh, yeah bought an investment property that she lived in and had tenants. And then that actually helped us get our first home. And then I did some real estate deals and that helped. It's honestly amazing how much of a difference that can make in a person's life is just doing small things like that. Yeah. Right. Like it is really a difference maker in the long run. The challenge now is of course it's, it's, it's almost more of a two person game, like getting tougher and tougher yeah. before, you know, real estate wasn't such a big percentage of someone uh, to acquire real estate didn't require such a big percentage of someone's income, but no, it, it usually takes a couple or two people to partner, just given the um, absolute magnitude of the price of housing and uh, people's income and yeah. inflation, et cetera. But once you're like, you just get in the market, right? Like get yourself in the market and then the rest kind of takes care of, like you just have to be a bit patient, wait, getting in the market, like whether you get borrow a down payment from your parents or partner with your wife or like a friend or something like i think that really can set someone apart if you just just get in like buy anything buy a condo buy anything yeah. you can just get in the market yeah and the yeah. advantage is of course you know once you're in the market things tend to go up and down relative to one another so yeah if you buy no, a exactly. condo and they may go up and down but then your next property the home's going to go up and down somewhat commensurately with the value of that condo and the like so you know once you're in the market you're always going to be better off than not and like, and you see it, you know, in other countries and other parts of the world, London, you know, Singapore, you know, if you're not in the market, yeah, you get locked up, yeah, yeah, you know, and you're gonna be a renter forever. Well, like a lot of people, I was actually having a conversation last night about people that when the Armageddon came down, they sold their houses expecting to drop, and then obviously the exact opposite happened, which nobody really knew was going to happen, and then they're just priced out of the market, and I feel like. Real estate is very much time in the market rather than timing the market. I think it honestly makes a big difference. Well, you know, it's interesting. One of the things I studied in undergrad was economics. And when you look at it, ultimately, real estate is the store of wealth in society. And it does, you know, economic rents come down to real estate. And if people make more and more money, then real estate prices go up. You know, if the, yeah. if the economic well-being of a community or a country increases, then it's real estate values going to go up because inevitably people say, well, you know, you can earn more, yeah. you can charge more. Ultimately, it's a great store of wealth and more and more people on the planet, there's, you know, but it's half a million people coming to Canada every year and we can't provide enough supply, you know, and that's a municipal uh, government issue more than a, a federal or provincial one. 
the municipalities are extremely slow at you know um, opening up land and development opportunities and you've got a half million people coming in and probably housing for don't quote me on this i don't know the exact number but you know maybe a hundred thousand yeah, so we've yeah. got a shortfall each and every year and yeah. immigrants when they come to the country you know they typically want land they want yeah. a home you know yeah. they're coming from another country they're hardworking. you know yeah. they're entrepreneurial yeah. they're putting everything they, they have into some property and their kids future you know they're the ones who are going to be looking to buy property so so what what's the solution for that like obviously it's a municipality like they're just very slow like i'm subdividing a property in west Kelowna, and it's taken a long time should there be grants like what's the kind of high level incentive that we should provide to be able to subdivide and, and build faster well i mean that's a big challenge i mean here in BC, we have the Agricultural Land Reserve, and yet we have lots of land here that's really useless for agriculture and should be used for, you know, medium density housing. Like, like Springfield? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Springfield, KLO, yeah. you know, Benvulin, a lot of those properties there, there's, you know. My God, just surrounded by buildings, flat. Nobody uses it except for geese. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Like, you just look at it for years, and it's like, okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Everyone, yeah. every single day, the news stories are housing prices are out of control. The geese seem to find a nice place. I <laughs> honestly, I'm not joking. It's crazy. What's yeah, this guy got against birds. Uh, no, I mean I love driving through that. There's a lot of other places. Yeah, to go. like that. I drive through those areas every day. But you're right. Like it is just it's land that needs to be utilized. So in some cases, it's 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 process. I mean, we have a property that we bought up in uh, Lake Country that yeah. one of our realtors brought to our attention. And we thought, oh, this is a great opportunity. So we acquired it. You know, there was an existing. Um, uh, PLR, preliminary lot review in place. We fulfilled all of the terms and conditions and we've been waiting a year and a half for the municipality to basically look at it. And it's a simple subdivision of <laughs> it's, one it's crazy. lot going yeah. into three. What is you know, everything's on? been done. You know, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to do all of the, you know, well testing, septic, environmental, yeah. you know, everything that was required. And we still, it's just sitting there on the file list of properties to get done. So, yeah. you know, uh, accelerating the approval process. Now, Cologne itself is pretty good. They're pretty good, but there's just not enough availability of land. You know, the condo buildings, you know, it's slowed down quite a bit because those are primarily driven by pre-sales and with the increasing interest rate, yeah. kind of dried up a little bit. Yeah, I've heard a lot of projects being put on hold. Yeah. Like, not necessarily shelled, but hold for sure. And uh yeah, you just feel like it's just kicking the can down the road. Yeah. We're just setting ourselves up for another boom. Yeah, but there's always, in, in condos, there's always this kind of, you know, boom cycle. For example, in the Lower Mainland, Toronto, you know, you'd see, you know, five, six, seven years where the condo activity starts to build and grow and grow and grow. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's some sort of economic issue or there's a recession or there's interest rate changes and stuff. Yeah. And then there's a decline and there's a whole, they go into holding pattern for two or three years. And then yeah. it starts again, it builds up and up and up and up and then goes in a bit of a fervor. And then, of course, yeah stalls and stuff but you know it's a wave that continually keeps building higher and higher yeah. and higher it yeah. barely goes down you yeah. know for any you know five seven year periods yo-yo on an escalator kind of thing yeah right it goes like this up and down but it's going up right, right? Oh, yeah so, that's, that's a great analogy. yeah i like that yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I heard that on the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Yeah, right? Dustin um, Woodhouse says that. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's very yeah, true. Yeah, like, you didn't patent it, though. Yeah. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. All right, Max, so what's your, uh, do you have any uh, tips on how to live a prosperous life or how to be a successful realtor? So one of the things that I, you know, love to do is work with entrepreneurial people. And, and as I said, you know, in the early 90s, I kind of developed this approach where I would help 
entrepreneurs, whether they were realtors or brokerage owners or uh, entrepreneurial people building and growing high growth ventures, yeah. is to start with kind of your core life philosophy to really uncover what your core reason for being is, your core life purpose. Yeah. And from that, develop your strategy. And really, this is the business planning methodology that I adapted for individuals. In an organization, you know, companies spend a lot of time coming up with their mission, vision, and values. And so I started doing that with entrepreneurs, you yeah. know, and the like, and helping them figure out what their life purpose was, and then building their business strategy around what's important for them as a human being. When you do it from that perspective, first and foremost, it's really authentic because it's who they are, right? Yeah. It's, it, it helps yeah. them be achieve their potential in life. And then, you know, you build it out and help them determine what their values are, what their vision is for their life for the future, you know, what their big picture dream is, for lack of a better term. And then from that, you know, you start to work on what their strengths, their weaknesses, their opportunities, talents of interest are, take into account what's going on in the external environment, and then come up with a, you know, pretty structured, firm set of goals that is got a, you know, and lots of people have heard this, a smart goal, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, yeah. time limited. So, yeah. but there's a kind of a solid plan. And I do this interactively with, you know, lots of our realtors yeah. and the like, and it really does help them kind of come up with where they want to go, help them. And, and then I get involved in kind of strategizing as to what are some of the areas that you have a natural interest in, where you can build relationships with and the like. And the beauty of in residential real estate is that, you know, you can build your business on a whole bunch of different models. So if you like sports, we have one realtor who loves cycling. So he does a lot of stuff around yeah. cycling and he yeah. does that. And he's right? successful at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right? Yeah. And stuff. You know, other, you know, one of our realtors loves to, to bowl. So, you know, I said, well, get engaged <laughs> in the bowling world and it'll turn into business, right? So depending on what you like to do, you can build relationships, yeah. develop trust with people, learn your craft and build something that really has a, a satisfying career. And in our particular case, our brokerage really is designed around doing as much as we, the brokerage can do to remove as much of the non-critical things that the realtor shouldn't be doing. High value tasks to the client, but low value to the realtor. The realtor's yeah. best time is spent with clients. And it's all often not their best skill, yeah. right? To do those behind the yeah. things too. The administrative yeah. stuff yeah. and stuff. And it actually works out that the system that we have helps our realtors a, have more time to spend with clients. Yeah. B, get out and enjoy the Okanagan. Yeah. You know, do fun yeah. stuff. And C, make more money. So, you know, we do really do help them, you know, save time, you know, save money. And, um, and it's at a lower cost. So for us, it's a great opportunity to help them be successful. And the staff that we have, you know, they love the work that they do. They're good at it. And, and, they're, and that, they're, awesome. they're wired a different way than realtors are typically. Yeah. Uh, we do coaching assessments, as, as, yeah. as Matt knows, yeah. you know, where we do a basically a psychological assessment that look at someone to determine what their behavioral profile is, what their motivators are, and then develop a strategy. I uh, love to do that is develop a strategy for them that's based on what drives them. So some people are altruistic. If someone's altruistic, a great thing to do is go out and provide some support to some charities that you believe in. Go out and do some fundraising. That way you Help meet some people. people yeah. yeah, and you'll meet people that do that. You know, yeah. If someone is um, highly motivated by theoretical or learning and teaching, you yeah. know, a great thing to do is to do like lunch and learn. You know, where they can go out, meet people, present their knowledge, you know, and do first time homebuyer seminars yeah. or something like that. So you can develop a, a strategy that ties into what your interests are, what your unique personality profiles like extroverted. 
And for those people, you know, they have a different strategy than someone who's introverted. So, yeah. And realtors can have, you know, there's a wide variety of different realtor profiles and there's lots of different... Well, there's a strategies. wide variety of different clients too. So like you got to meet them and you got to get along with the people, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. makes sense. And it's fine. And then ultimately, I think one of the things that I'm proudest of is that what I see with the vast majority of our realtors is, you know, they really do care about people. They really do look at what we kind of emphasize that. And we saw that in the core group of realtors that were here when we bought the business, that their primary motivation is to help people achieve their goals. Yep. Right? So do what's right for the client first and foremost. And yep. then it turns into results for the realtor. Yep. And, you know, you encourage them to tell their friends and family, but, you know, do the right thing, treat people well. It's kind of, you know, my yeah. life philosophy, right? Yeah. Do the right thing, treat people well, you know, have some fun along the way. Yeah. I've been reading a lot of, uh, Jim Rohn, I don't know how I didn't hear about this guy before, but he's just fantastic. But he says, like, being successful is not what you get. It's it's what you become or who you become. And, like, I feel like with this brokerage specifically, or this career, but specifically this brokerage, is, like, very much, I'm on the road to success, but I'm enjoying every step along the way. Like, it's awesome. Yeah, well, it's fun to see, you know, and in, in, in case you didn't work with you. I mean, we met you while you were, you know, yeah. working, you were still, you yeah, know, working telephone, like, and stuff. And you, you were, you know, met in the parking lot and chatted about yeah. stuff. And I just, I came to put telephone in this building. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. 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 Like a couple of weeks before I flipped shit. Yeah, and Max is yeah. a great salesperson. Hey, eh? yeah. he just sees anyone yeah. fixing telephone poles, boom, realtor. Yeah. 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 Well, well yeah. it was kind of your, your thinking, say, hey, should I do this as a career? Yeah. And I said, oh, I think you'd have a ton of fun. Yeah. For you, I know that's your motivator. Yeah. Right? Like, it is like, yeah. I would know what the other side's like. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible, but this is like a different planet of the stuff that I do right now. Like I can't, right now it's the middle of a work day and I'm doing this, talking yeah. to you guys. And like, I would just not be doing this on any other career, right? So I'm very, very grateful about being an agent at all, but then specifically being at this brokerage is bad. I mean, Jim Rohn's awesome. One of my favorite quotes is, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah, and yeah. yeah if you've cultivated that in Century 21 here, like yeah. that's that's amazing to yeah. do. So you guys bought this six years ago, right? Yeah, we bought it six years ago, and there were about 55 realtors. We're now at about 95, 97. The business has grown in the last few years. Uh, Century 21 Canada ranked us twice in their last two analyses, they ranked us the number two overall Century 21 office in all of Canada wow. out of 400 offices. And what's that What's that based off of like performance it, and sales or just like it, culture? It, it's multiple things. It's performance, first and foremost, it's culture, it's technology adoption, it's charitable giving, it's kind of contribution to the Century 21 network. Two of our realtors were nominated this year as, uh, you know, the top Realtors in Canada, and there were eight nominated across the country. So, wow. you know, we That's have a amazing. quarter of the of them uh, here and stuff. So, their analysis is kind of like holistic, you know, overall what you know yep. um, and, and like. So, so that's a real kudo. You know, we were rated the number one brokerage by um, Kelowna Capital News readers in the Okanagan, and we only have, you know, we have less than ten percent of the realtors in the marketplace. Yep. Other brokerages have a lot more realtors. So, you know, we've got a really good reputation out there in the um, in the marketplace, and that great because it you know and it's true we do really have really great fun collaborative professional realtors here that support one another yes very and, much. and have fun doing it what's your end goal with the brokerage then like obviously you guys have doubled in team members over the last six and years bought in, right yeah so. yeah yeah we we uh, we brought in uh we sold a share a significant share of the brokerage to dean de rosier who 
you know, came from another brokerage uh, many years before. He was here when he when when we acquired the brokerage, and he made the shift for lifestyle reasons, and you know, did very very well. Was a you know top listing realtor, board member, and the plan is over time to sell the, re- the remaining shares of the brokerage to Dean. You know, I mean, I'm going to be 65 this year. I've still got lots of life in me, but. You know, over time, you know, it'll be it's it's a good thing to have a good succession plan in place. Yeah. Dean uh, shares kind of the same philosophy yeah. and values, you know, have fun, help people. Uh, he loves this model because it really did help him live a better life as a realtor. And that's a big reason why he does it. He, too, has a big coaching background yeah. and, and, and yes, approach does. as the Shirley, our managing broker. And Stefan, our mentor, who helps kind of the newer realtors, uh, as we as a team kind of provide kind of a multidisciplinary coaching approach for the new realtors. Yeah. And it's a challenging to get started, right? The first couple yeah. of years as a realtor said, so you got to rely on hustle. Yeah, you got to learn a lot of stuff. You got to get there and get business. And there's 16 different things you have to learn. And, yeah. and you know, mortgage yeah. broker too, right? There's a lot of things you're generating your own business. Yeah. You know, you've got to be out there connecting with people. Your market's probably more realtors to a certain degree than, you know, yeah. than the yeah. end consumers. But um, well, that's easy for me. I just married one and started a podcast with one. So yeah, that, that's how <laughs> I run my the business. Market. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff. Yeah, if we're fortunate, you know, you're, you know, Emily works with us too, and she's yeah. wonderful. And, yeah, you know, she great. loves working here. She yeah. loves you guys. Yeah, yeah, and stuff, and and we do too. And that's and that's part of it. So it's kind of like professional extended family is yeah. kind of almost yeah. how we view it. You know, yeah. and, and one of our daughters works here, and Dean's wife is a realtor here, and so and like and at the same time, we make sure that there's no favoritism. You know, when when it's like they're all like our kids and siblings or brothers <laughs> yeah. and sisters, right? Yeah. So you can't favor anyone. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I grew up with four sisters and three daughters, so you know I had a lot of female estrogen around, <laughs> but I had to hang out with all the boys. I had to get out play golf, yeah. Yeah. hockey, and skiing yeah. and golf. Yeah, that's like me too. I have three sisters too, so I know what that's like. Yeah. Okay. Well, super important question about the succession plan. Then, who's a better golfer between you and Dean? Uh, Max, my life. <laughs> okay. Dean's on my level. Dean's yeah. like slightly better than me. But Max is like, he loves to play. Yeah. 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 Good. yeah. Fun level. We're probably all tied, but yeah. skill level, Max is winning. Yeah. If there was a brand new realtor coming in, starting with you guys, what's number one advice? Like, what would be the best advice you would give them specific to our time right now? The advice really is it's almost to look within yourself, right? Find out what's important to you, what kind of motivates you in life. And start to develop relationships with people in areas of interest that you have, something that's important to you, whether it's family, um, whether it's kids, it could be travel, you know, it could be socialize, it could be wine, you know, it could be anything that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you kind of have fun with, yep. first and foremost, because you'll be establishing relationships, people that you share a common bond with. And then from that, um, obviously develop your knowledge and expertise. Uh, we provide a lot of support to that. And, you know, build a community that you want to work with, whether it's a farm area, a geographic area that you kind of want to specialize in or an area of expertise, whether it's new home buyers, whether it's condominiums and the like, and be consistent. You know, it's a kind of consistent exposure. Don't start too big. Be, you know, have a target market that you're focused in on. Look to connect with those people again and again and again, because it takes multiple interactions for people to recognize that you're a realtor, especially a new one. And then secondarily, to know that you're in the game and have, you know, provide value to the clients that you work with, provide some knowledge, some insights, and that helps them understand the market and make sure that they know that you're, you have expertise. And, and, you know, obviously we back them up on all sorts of things from a legal, technical, strategic perspective. Um, But really it's kind of be yourself, do what you love and treat people as if you'd want, how you'd want to be treated. 
Yeah, very. You know, like you have to, you have to love doing this because, like, it is there's highs and lows, right? Like, it's a, it gets stressful. Like sometimes it gets pretty skinny. Like there's feast or famine. Like you have to love what you're doing to motivate you from day to day, for yeah. sure. So yeah, most of the realtors, what we found when we do the analysis, yeah, and, and I benchmark our players in other industries and high performers in this type of activities yeah. that typically they need most successful realtors are are driven by economics. They like they like to have financial success and achieve results. Mm -hmm. uh, secondarily, they tend to be individualistic because real estate, residential real estate is mostly an individual game. It's more like yep. golf than like soccer, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. And stuff. So it takes a little while for people who are kind of really team oriented to play the real estate because the residential real estate game is more individual. It's economically makes sense. You're out there talking to people. Yeah. When two people work on a project together, it becomes inefficient. I came to you advice about this. You said one plus one has to equal three. You can't equal one and a half. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, you're just stepping back. You know, yeah. So right. Exactly. You're losing time and money. Right? Yeah. So, and, and most of the profile of people who are successful in real estate, we actually do an analysis, and they kind of fit into a high I, which means they have influence, and sometimes S, which is steadiness. So, this is the terminology of the the, the disc profile system that we use for disc. Yeah. So someone, typically people who are high I tend to be social, extroverted, intuitive. They get along with people. They care about people. They can read people well. Then secondarily, they tend to be consistent, be able to be there and be available to provide service when needed. Yeah. And that's the profile typically of the high-performing realtors. Uh, people with different profiles can be successful too, but they have to adopt a different strategy from a business development perspective, especially because yeah. that's the critical success factor in day one, right? Can you yeah. go out and generate uh, business with your, with clients and yeah. generate their trust? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of agents say like, I did, I'm new to Kelowna, so it's hard for me to, like, I don't know about that many people. And I always tell them like, so is everybody else here. Like we're a growing city. So like all the people are new. And the, I look back at all the sales I've made, I think from the severe I had before I was an agent, it's only like 10% of all the sales that I've made. All the people I've met personally have been people that I've met as an agent. Yeah. I feel like those kind of clients are sometimes better too. Well, they, I, they, they'd see you as an agent. Yes, not as and not as a friend. from, yeah. you know, high school. Yeah. You know, and they'll, they'll identify with you differently. No, exactly. And you've got, you know, that kind of outgoing personality. You're not yeah. afraid to go out and door knock and, you know, connect with people that you haven't met before and stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, for people who love that, I mean, that's... That's a gift that you have, and and being able to be like that makes a huge difference because you can just open up doors, right? Yeah. But if someone's introverted, then they need a different strategy, so they'll have to rely more on you know providing value, providing information, hosting community events, like really yeah. just getting to know the people more casually, but over time, and perhaps you know engage in different activities where they meet people in a different way because it's all about people. Yeah, and every business ultimately is all about people. So, so is that kind of your strength when you you bring in a new agent? You kind of figure out what their authentic ability is and kind of nudge them in the right direction. Yeah, well, we have like a multi-person development strategy that helps uh, the realtor. So I lead it off by doing their uh, behavior assessment and uh, determining what their motivators are. We do a, a personal strengths evaluation. Uh, I help them do their strategic plan. Then Dean does some coaching with them, kind of that's more tactical and executional around what specifically they have to do. Uh, we've got uh, a team of of others too. Shirley, the managing broker, is really strong on kind of contracts and legals. 
the forms and stuff, the the legal side of the of the business. Yeah. Uh, Stefan uh, Real, who was a very successful realtor on the coast for many years, really loved in the Century Twenty One network, is our mentor, and so he helps people around relationships and how to build a farm and and the like. And Anna, my wife, uh, uh, you know, uh, heads up the marketing department, does some of the HR, and so she's involved in helping make sure through herself and the team activities that. Yeah, they're doing things that get their technological stuff up to speed, their website, CRM, you know, their listings um, be professionally presented. So having a kind of a multidisciplinary approach and then people can call on who they need when they need it. So we've got a training program where we yeah. have strategy, we have, you know, regular meetings for new realtors and experienced realtors too, where we develop lots of new stuff. But then what we do is as a group, they can the, the realtor starts to develop their own strategies and approaches, and then they get to call on who they need when they need it. So if they need to know what's going on you know, in the marketplace, they'll talk to Dean, who's been a successful realtor, knows all of the territory and all of the properties, et cetera. If they need someone on strategic thinking and planning, they, you know, they connect with me. If they need someone to say, okay, how do I do the forms and rules, they go to Shirley and stuff. Yeah. And so, and they're available, you know, pretty much 24 seven. Well, not in the middle of the night, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, but we're all available by phone or by text and we'll get back to people. And because when deals are done at, you know, 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, you need that call and we'd rather have it then. Than afterwards. Than a problem that yeah. turns into a lawsuit. That, yeah. Afterwards, right. So call yeah. us at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night if yeah. you're worried or concerned. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's a great way to make sure that, we help the clients, we help the realtors and, you know, keep everyone out of difficulty, move things ahead. Yeah. You guys have built a fantastic team here. No, definitely. Thanks. Definitely. I use it pretty much everybody all the time. So it's uh fantastic. It's ongoing. So. And it's fun, right? And I think it's I mean, fun. The, the good thing is everybody yeah. kind of loves what they do, right? Yeah. So, you know, it shows, it shows, right? And and I think that's, that's, the, that's what I found, you know, fortunately working with lots of other successful entrepreneurs is that they, they're really good leaders help identify what positions are there, but find good people that care and do a good job. Yeah. There's kind of two leaders, types of leaders that, that I've seen out there. You know, there's positive, successful, kind of growth-oriented one. And then there's the totally money-driven kind of nasty yeah. SOB. <laughs> and it's almost like two divides. And I just decided, you know, years ago that I'd only work with, uh, you know, yeah. The good guys and women too, yeah. you know, you know, leaders who, who who like to have fun and treat people well and build yeah. something. So I've had, you know, and I've learned some from great people as well, you know, just running those planning sessions. Yeah. Like you've got the minds of some of the best leaders in the country that you get to observe and learn from. And, yes. Yeah. And, you know, I learned a lot from watching them and working with them. So it was a great experience. And I just try to share as much of that as I can with the people that we work with here. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, I know it's benefited me and I know it's benefited a lot of other agents here too. So thank you for that. How is a, uh, I know you spoke about this before, how is golf a metaphor for life? Oh, well, you know, it's interesting because it, the approach that you take in golf is almost like, like the book, book that I wrote is called Scoring Eagles. And it's a fable about, uh, a leadership fable told on the golf course about two leaders. One's kind of a veteran and one's a bit more of a rookie. And really, you know, the game of golf is kind of like a, a, a like any sport or any activity that you pursue is is kind of a parable for what you do. You know, depending on how you play, if you play with honor and integrity and you know uh, the like, you'll that's your game, right? Uh, if you play for fun, that's fun too. Typically, you know, it, it, golf's kind of the a funny thing because sometimes if you try too hard, it doesn't work out. Yeah. So you almost have to imagine the result, believe in the outcome. And then let it happen. Yeah. 
And it's the same, I think, in life, right? Yeah. Is you know, create your vision, do the visualization. Like you see a lot of athletes and stuff are trained to do that. Imagine the future as if it's already occurred. And what that does is it opens up, you know, kind of the neural pathways in your brain and it increases the likelihood of that occurring. Have a belief that that's going to happen and then just let it happen. Don't try to control it. If you try to control it too much, then it doesn't happen. And so it's kind of that developing a belief in the future that tends to come true. And so, and it does actually, there's one of the, what we do in the planning is a technique called backcasting where you imagine you're in the future as, and you imagine success as if it's already occurred, you create a mental image in your mind and you're subconsciously driven, driven to that image. It's no different in golf. What you do before every round or every shot is you imagine the shot, see it visually in your mind, and then uh, you step back and you allow it to happen. Does that happen all the time? No. Yeah. But it happens more often than not, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and like I remember caddying for, you know, one of the best uh, female golfers in the world, Annika Sorenstam, once years ago at a charity golf tournament. And, you know, we were on the fourth hole, you know, uh, she said, well, Max, tell me, you know, where I should hit the shot on this hole. And Annika won like the yeah. female golfer for many years. Yes. And and she said, uh, I said, well, you can't go to the left. There's all kinds of, you know, trees and trouble and water out there and you can't go to the right. And she goes, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me where you want me to for the ball to go. Just, that's all I think about. <laughs> and so I would tell her, and then like it would be, um, and I would tell her where to go and where the miss was. Yeah. And every time she hit it, either where the ball should go or where the miss was, she goes, "That's all I focus on is where the outcome is." Yeah. And so the same thing, if you're in life, yeah, focus on the outcome that you want. It significantly increases the likelihood of that occurring. Yeah, that's like a skier looking at everything besides the trees. Well, I was just going to say, it's it's like riding a motorcycle, you know, like if you see a rock on the street, you don't look at the rock and try and miss it. You look where you want to go <laughs> yeah. and then you just miss it. Don't have enough time to to kind of analyze that. But yeah, yeah you just, you look where you want to go. Not, you don't focus on the, the surrounding environment that is negative. And so, and so that's what, you know, I sit down with all of our realtors and especially the new ones and help them say, okay, where do you want to go? Like what's, what's yeah. your roadmap look like? Yeah. And, you know, does it guarantee that you're going to go there? No, but it does significantly increase the likelihood of you going in that direction. And and that's Very powerful, much. right? And, and, and it's fun, yes. too, right? It's a, and, and creating, and this is, I wish it would be something that our kind of political leaders would do more is like, you know, get a group of the community leaders and business leaders and the like to craft a vision for the future that says, here's where we're going. And a combination of not just the political leaders, but get the yeah. business leaders, get the environmental leaders, yeah. get the yeah. community leaders and come up with a shared game plan that involves everyone in the future should look like, because we'd have a much better country. Yeah. Everyone would feel a little more included. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I love that. All right. So Max, what's the best habit or routine that you can attribute your success or something you find the listener could benefit from? Well, I think the first one, I think for me, I've been fortunate. If you find a good life partner, yeah, you know, yeah, that makes yeah. a, a huge difference, right? You know, who prevents you from screwing up too much. <laughs> Honestly, I have benefited from that advice very, very much. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you know, I agree with that. It's, it's a tough road and, you know, you don't want to play it alone and, and the like. And I've been very fortunate that, you know, I've been blessed with, you know, Anna, who really chose me, I think, the other way around. Um, <laughs> and, like, and that, um, you know, she's been you know, a great partner, you know, uh, personality to, yeah. to be with, uh, very positive, friendly, happy, supportive, hardworking, and yet enjoys life and has fun. Um, so that would, you know, for me, be the, you know, if I say the best thing to do is, you know, look to find that life partner, regardless of your 
you know, preference and like, cause it's a lot easier to play a bit of a team game, you know, and go yeah. through life. There's lots of ups and downs and, you know, uh, everybody yeah. makes mistakes and stuff, but, you know, having a good uh, partner that uh, you go through life with makes a huge difference. I would think, you know, from everyone, you know, and of course, when you're with them, you know, take time to, you know, sniff the roses and enjoy life and uh, have some fun along the way. But, you know, life's mostly, you know, there's a lot of work involved in life. And then, yeah. you know, there's a fair amount of play if you can make it and uh, enjoy your family and friends and stuff. But I think that would be the number one thing. That definitely awesome. helps you enjoy the ride. For sure. Yeah. 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 Best thing you've ever spent money on? Uh, probably my daughters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, we're, we're blessed to have you know three wonderful daughters. You yeah. know, sometimes I regret it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> good thing we didn't put a financial limit on each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, and, then, and then of course you know because they're so you know in life that's your priority is yeah. is, is is you know your your partner and then your kids in our case and then traveling you know uh, with Anna you know we have a lot of fun doing that and then yeah. lastly is kind of golf stuff you know. Like, Continually, yeah, stuff too, and motorcycles. Yeah. But you know, I think you know more. I think I probably spent more disposable income on golf than anything else over the years. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's fun money to spend. Yeah, it seems like it returned the favor, though. It, yeah. You know, yeah. molded your your business mindset, so that's yeah. great. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it really does. It really does help, right? And uh, it's a learning <laughs> game, right? My one of my uh, instructors when I was a kid was was. Um, Ben Curry passed away a few years ago. He was one of the first Canadians on the PGA Tour. And yeah. um, he was, you know, kind of the lead instructor in the country, right? And and so I remember I sat down with him when he was deciding whether or not to go into the seniors tour. And I said to help them figure out his life purpose, which at the time was, you know, to enjoy the game. And so I kind of adopted that as kind of my secondary, you know, principle in life, right? You know, help people realize their potential and then, yeah. you know, and then enjoy the game because, yeah. you know, it's only a game. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, you know, yeah. the event. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Enjoy the game. Have I have fun that. while you're doing it. Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, I'm only out there for one good shot. Once I make that, I'm coming back. Like, yes. I can golf. <laughs> well, that's, um, that's the beauty of it, right? Yeah. yeah. One good shot, you know. Yeah. yeah any, I'm hooked for goes, another 18 holes. <laughs> yeah. Somebody wants to call it the golf orgasm. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, there is. That's like what the good shot is like. Similar to getting when you're going fishing, and then the first like bam on the on the rod is kind of similar feeling. So, yeah. Well, that's yeah. the beauty of it. On any one day, you know, someone who's never played before can make the shot that the pro, the best yeah. pro in the world, doesn't make. Yeah, yeah. I think the thirty-five yeah. foot putt. Like, yeah, like your dad yeah. making two uh, yeah. hole ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 exactly. Hole one at Glen Abbey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, part, yeah. I'll I'll jump in. One more question with that. What is your favorite golf course in the Okanagan then? Yeah, good question. Um, I think I think that the Predator Ridge courses are you yeah. know, probably the most exciting to play. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I played both of the Harvest at the Okanagan and like, but I think in terms of like overall beauty and spectacle and, yeah. and kind of, you know, scenery, I think they're, they're the two courses there are probably the, the most fun to play, you know, yeah. from that perspective. I think yeah. on a day-to-day basis, you know, the, the bear is probably the one that I enjoy playing the most. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like those courses too. Though. Yeah, all all those courses. Yeah. We're actually blessed to live in a place where there's so many nice courses. Yeah, yeah. but you know, it's important to our community too, right? You know, the tourism yeah. and and like a lot of people come here, obviously, you know, for the lake and for the yeah. skiing, but also for the amenities and golf and wineries, yeah. a big one, right? Yeah. So I think yeah. you know we want to make sure that we don't yeah. you know eliminate the courses that we have. You know, that's a big need for the community here, right? It's a big part of it. And what you're seeing now, there was a lull in golf, you know about 10 years ago, you know, where it was starting to decline. But, you know, since COVID hit, there's a lot more younger people that have yep. gotten into the game. and That's why um, you can't get a membership anywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. tough to get 
you know, get rounds and yeah. stuff because the rate of play has gone up quite a bit. I think young people said, oh, yeah, this is fun. <laughs> yeah. Right? You know, they don't have to play as seriously as some people do. Like, the, yeah. you know, that that's not the enjoyed purpose of the game is to go out and have fun. And yeah, it's great to see that happening. Yeah. No, I agree. I yeah. love that. I love that. Uh, what is the most impactful book you've ever read? Yeah, it was a couple of choices. One was a book called Stephen Covey's The Seven Habit of Highly Successful People. So this yeah. was a book that was printed probably in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Covey was a, a Mormon and developed, you know, kind of these seven habits of highly successful people. And it really was kind of a professional personal development type book. And, and what he does is it, it, he created this concept of, you know, these are the seven habits that people follow. And I won't kind of go into them, but yeah. basically it, it helped someone set the path for success. And the core thing that he did was he helped people visualize that it's your funeral and he would have you write your life right. epitaph, you know, what, what's set in your wake. Yeah. And so that's a pretty powerful thing. But I think he missed something on that. And that's what I do with people is I ask them to pretend it's their 85th birthday party roast. So I kind of modify that. Oh. And I say, what is it you, you'd like people They're to roast. say? They're roast. It's a yeah. life roast. Yes, right? yes. And, like, and I use that to help people then come up with what their you know, kind of life philosophy or their life purpose is. So, you know, that's really powerful. I think another one... Another book was um, Alvin Toffler's book. He wrote Future Shock and stuff. And this was a book written in the 70s and stuff. And he actually talked about what the future would look like. And it was amazingly accurate yeah. in terms of how the future would evolve, how information technology would start to take over and would move from a hunter-gatherer society to an agricultural society to production society, then to the information age. Yeah. And so I read that in the 80s. And, and, like, and it was just really kind of insightful. It just gave me a lot of insight in terms of what the future would look like. And... Yeah, you know, and awesome. I've, I've never heard of that book. Is that like a what kind of? Is that like a just a nonfiction book, or is it written like a? Yeah, it's a fiction book. It was yeah, a, okay. Alvin Toffler wrote a couple. Of, I forget the name of the other one. It was Future Shock, and then there was another book that he wrote afterwards, and it was just far ahead of his time. Yeah. And the third book, which is an interesting one too, which was kind of a book called The Six Thinking Hats by Edward de Bono. Yeah. So Edward de Bono wrote a book. He was the father of the term lateral thinking. Yeah. And he wrote this book called The Six Thinking Hats. And it was, how do people think? How do they process information? And he used the hats as an analogy for your thinking mode. For example, the black hat is like the negative side of things. And so what he, and I'll give you the example of the hats, but what, um, what de Bono uh, said was that in order for people to communicate effectively, you want people to be using the same thinking mode at the same time. So he defined there's six different thinking hats or modes of thinking, and that when you're working with someone, you try and get people on the same thinking mode to solve a problem or come up with a strategy or a direction. Yeah. And the, the six thinking hats were, you know, black hat is kind of the negative hat. You know, everyone thinks, okay, what's going to go wrong? Yeah. Right. What are the negatives about it? Yeah. Green's the kind of entrepreneur, go for it. Think of a green light. We're going to go for it. Like, let's all think about this at the same time. Yeah. Red is heart, like emotion. So how do you feel about this decision, right? You know, and when you're processing, you know, a major decision in life, whether it's buying a house, sometimes it might be fun to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. White is like paper. What information do we need? Uh, blue, think of a pen. It's like process. What's the process we have to follow? A yellow hat is kind of the sunny, optimistic, like everything's going to work out. Think of the sun, like it's going to happen yeah. regardless. And if you put 
and I've done this in, in lots of kind of group planning sessions where you have you put people in kind of that same thinking mode that when you're tackling a major problem and you all think on the same way and you kind of go through each of those analysis and then you kind of sum it up and say, okay, well, what are we going to do now? When you look at the different modes, it makes it way easier yeah, to come up with a, a really that solid solution. So that was cool. He's a really interesting character. I met him once and stuff that he was a kind of prolific speaker um, as well. So, and he just like, way out there kind of thinking and yeah. how, how to how to help people do major problem solving. Yeah, that and sounds that, like, honestly, like very actionable steps there. Yeah, and yeah. you can do it together. Right. So yeah. when you do, even just like pros and cons, like it's kind of a simpler version yeah. of doing it. So what are the, yeah. you know, because somebody, like you're talking to, to your, your partner, business partner, or your wife or whatever, and you're looking yeah. at a problems and you're talking like the green, like let's go for it, this yeah. and the other thing. Yeah. And they're talking the black That's me. Yeah, yeah. And, and what you want to do is kind of say, okay, let's talk about all the positive stuff Let's talk about like let's go for it. What's it going to look like? How do you feel about it? Yeah, you know, and and like and analyzing a home purchase would be a kind of a cool thing, right? To say, you know, because there's never a perfect perfect home. I mean, yeah. you get eights and nines out of ten, but you never get the ten out of ten. Yeah, but that might be a fun way to kind of analyze a couple, especially if you've got a couple that have a tough time yeah. communicating, right? You could say, okay, let's do this exercise, right? We're going to talk about. The yellow hat. That, I'm together. actually gonna. Yeah, yeah that's really good. That. You're just communicating on the in the same wavelength, you know. Yeah. It's like kind of like a more in depth pros and cons list. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. uh. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And it, it's that. it's fun. I've done it with groups and couples. I've done some like couples coaching too, which is kind of fun sometimes. Like, oh yeah. Not to, it was really more to help my clients and and their kids sometimes. Yeah. Both. I had several of my clients. I've done it with some of our realtors' kids too, right? It's, brought them in and kind of helped them do their kind of life plan and stuff. Yeah. And it just helps them, you know, kind of break a rut and come up with a vision. I mean, two or three of my long-term clients, so I did both their planning and their real estate work for in Toronto, right? They came in when their sons were having a really tough time. And I just said, well, he was just chatting with his son, like he's getting in trouble. He's in grade six. You know, this was a very successful high-tech entrepreneur, was, you know, entrepreneur of the year twice, you know, and stuff. And uh, so just once, no, another client that was twice. But um, then he came to me and said, oh, my son's screwed up and stuff. Said, well, let me have a chat with him. And I just sat down with him and helped his son come up with his kind of game plan. And then like three months later, he says, Max, I don't know what you did, but he says, my son's getting straight A's. And he's gone <laughs> back into hockey and he actually oh, became a lawyer and he became really successful and stuff. So, you know, that was, what I would say, one of the most rewarding things. Like I helped this yeah, young man yeah. who was going down the wrong road and wrong path and just, and it came from within, right? It wasn't me. It just, yeah. you know, he just said, this is what I want to be and do. And I said, oh, great. I just, oh, I never thought about it before. Yeah. Just, you know, he just had lots of energy and was just, you know, going the wrong way. So that is, um, that's awesome. But, uh, yeah. And part of it comes from my dad. I was very lucky. I had a really cool dad. Uh, yeah. My dad was a, he was born in Southern Italy. Um, and um, my grandfather was actually here in Canada. He worked in the mines, kind of sending money back to support his family. And my dad had a choice. He had a, a, a when he was young, to go into preschool because <laughs> that was the only way to get an education and, you know, kind of, you know, poor, war-torn in Southern yeah. Italy. Yeah. Um, fortunately, he decided to become a doctor instead of a priest. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be here. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, he met my mom when he studied, you know, medicine and, yeah. um, you know, came to, to Canada. And he was in, in Toronto, was uh, Toronto's leading physician. He became a psychiatrist. Um, and he was the kind of communicator of health and wellness to the Italian Canadian population. So he was on, he had a weekly call in radio show. Oh, you know, wow. he, he started and published a magazine about health and wellness in the eighties and the nineties, you know, and he would sold, he wrote the articles, he sold the advertising. He went out and communicated, you know, the benefits of, you know, living well and treating people well and stuff. Yeah. 
and at the same time, he's a normal guy. He was like a lot of fun. We did lots of stuff together, wow. ski trips and golf trips and family trips, and was a real family person and stuff. So, but and you know what I learned from him was you know uh, I mean his life purpose. I sat down with him on his 85th birthday and helped him figure out what his life purpose. And it was evident because his company was called Better Life Systems. And you know he says, oh yeah, I've known since I was a kid. You know my job is to help people live a better life, and and that was his kind of core oh, philosophy. Nice. And it uh, it kind of showed you know yeah. of what he did. So I was really blessed to have that. Kind of you know positive role model mentor as uh, so as such dad. vision too. Yeah, like, I wish yeah, I had that. Much oh, he's way ahead. Yeah, we yeah. talking about things like stress and wellness. You know, when I was sixteen, I'm saying I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Have some beer and yeah. go play sports. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome to have. It, a vision does help you. Does drive. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it does keep you on track. So it's yeah. nice to have that. Yeah. Uh, to finish off, then, what's your uh, favorite quote? Well, I, I, it's a bit of a nerdy one because I'm probably a bit of a nerd at heart, which is kind of like the, the live long and prosper. Yeah. You know, Mr. Strong, right? Nice. You know, because I, I, I used to love Star Trek when I was a kid and yeah. stuff. And I was, uh, you know, I kind of like the sciencey type, type stuff. And like, and I think, you know, the, but the philosophy is like really strong, right? You know, what are you, what are you here to do in life, right? Well, yeah. you know, have a good long life and prosper kind of. In the better sense of the word, do well financially, but it's yeah. kind of like the good kingdom, yeah. right? As you know, if you can help somehow in whatever sphere or activity you're in is to help, you know, make the world a better place. It's kind of the fable we all heard as we were kids, right? Yeah. The good kingdom and the bad kingdom. And, yeah. You know, try and live the good kingdom and prosperity is all about that, right? Which is to, you know, uh, try and help people live a good life, have a good home, good family life, you know, do well by others, uh, you know, give when you can, make look after yourself and your family and your friends, and that's the priority in life, right? That's like yourself yeah. first, your family second, your friends third, your kind yeah. of work colleagues fourth, and the world at large fifth. And yeah. you know, that's what I kind of learned was the priority. And it was actually other people telling me when I do their planning, like what's the priority in life? And you're like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Some notes for yourself. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Max, for coming on. You've been awesome to speak to here and like very insightful. Uh yeah. Anything our listeners can do to help you out or do anything to give you a hand? Thanks, guys. It's fun to do this stuff. You know, yeah. I, 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 you know, hopefully there's some nuggets that some people can take to help They're them definitely, yeah, for know, sure. be successful in yeah. whatever they choose to do. Yeah. You know, probably the, the best thing someone could do is, you know, if you're thinking of someone who wants to buy or sell, you know, yeah. check, <laughs> check with a Century 21 realtor here in Kelowna, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and like yeah. that's first and foremost. You know, yeah. secondly, you know, if there's realtors that aren't happy where they're at. Yeah. Um, you know, have them give me a shout. I'd be happy to kind of chat with anyone. Yeah. And 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 last and probably most important is kind of, you know, figure out what your life purpose is, what you're here to do, and 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 find a way to kind of do that and make it happen because that's the way to, you know, happiness and prosperity. All right. Thank you, Max. And uh are we signing off here, Taylor? Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate the time, Max. We uh, we know you're busy, but there was some awesome information there, and yeah, hopefully we'll have you have you on again soon. Yeah, yeah, love to. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Okay. Thank keep, you. Keep doing the great work. Yeah, okay, you. we'll Bye. talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast. Be sure to reach out and let us know how else we can add value to your Kelowna real estate journey. Please show some support by hitting the like, share, and subscribe button. This is sponsored by Matt Glenn Real Estate and Taylor Adventure Mortgages.